Chance. Welcome to the No Chance Radio Show, a podcast about the world of streetwear, fashion, and everything and anything else. And we are back. Welcome, guys and gals, to the No Chance Radio Show, the NCR Show, episode 92. Took a couple of weeks off, but we are back. The NPR of Streetwear, your spark notes to all things pop culture and everything that it has to offer. And guiding you on this wonderful trip is your host, Ryan. And as always, I have with me... Mel. What's up, guys? Welcome, guys. Sorry we took the last couple of weeks off. Life happened. Life, <laughs> I don't know how else to happen. better describe that, but life has been happening. Um, it's been a couple weird weeks. I feel like this whole... I don't, okay. I don't believe in astrology or astronomy i don't know what it is but mercury retrograde sometimes feels like a real thing yeah or maybe i just don't want to take responsibility for being lazy (laughs) but sometimes i honestly think that it's a real thing do you know what that is because i've been hearing it a lot lately and i've just been blaming everything i've been doing wrong (laughs) on retrograde i have no idea isn't that like when the planet moves around that's called orbiting (laughs) (laughs) that's called planet orbit i don't know some some weird shift happens in the universe i believe in it because the crazy shit's been happening to me crazy shit has been happening the past couple weeks retrograde i feel like has is a term that has just been invented within the past six or so months maybe the past (laughs) year or two um because when i was younger there was no such thing as a retrograde so i guess planets are just doing different shit now that now that we're grown up um but yes we are back episode 92 only eight away from 100 Uh, we welcome those new listeners and old listeners we had somebody shout us out um from the south bay over here in Pacifica. Oh, uh, I forget nice. your name, dude. But thank you for the thank you for the love. Thank you for anybody that reaches out to us with questions or just showing like, you know, just great appreciation of what we do. We put a lot of, I would say, time, not too much effort, but we put a lot of time <laughs> into making sure that we sound good, that we talk about you know topics that matter, and uh, really just shoot the shit on stuff that we think is interesting. Like we we have conversations about the stuff all the time. Mm-hmm. I mean, we were almost recording the entire episode prior to hitting record because we were getting so fucking indulged into the conversation <laughs> that we wanted to talk about. Um, but before we get into our topics for today, how have you been? How have things been? I know it's been a weird past couple of weeks. We've missed the opportunity to record. Mm-hmm. Um, you're back at your job. You're busier than ever. What's up? What, how, how's everything been? Um, things have been interesting. Aside from work, like I love my job. I'm, it's good there. Life has just been really weird. I mean, last week when we were supposed to record, yeah. I was stuck on BART for an hour because there was an active shooter. You're crazy. I'm safe. I'm fine. But, you know, that whole thing kind of just sh- like shake, shook me up yeah. a bit. So sorry. By the acts the of God, they were like, no, you guys are not doing anything today. Like, yeah. sometimes I feel like moments like those, even though that is a fucking like crazy ass moment, sometimes I think that those are just acts of just telling you to like, yo, just chill out. Yeah. Like, I get it. Like, we all like, we all want to be working as hard as we possibly can. We want to be doing everything or else we feel worthless. But sometimes, and something that I've been doing the past week or two is taking a fucking break Mm -hmm. because going right back into your work after having some sort of clarity or some sort of new experience or going outside or something, it really makes a fucking difference. And Maybe that was just a sign of like, yo, you need to chill out. <laughs> you too, because you <laughs> a work A terrible hard. sign, but uh, a sign nonetheless. Yeah. Um, what have I been doing? Um, you want to tell them about why we're recording on a Friday morning and not a Wednesday? Yeah. Uh, well, today is Friday and we will be releasing this within the next hour or so if I can manage to, to get this out to you guys. But I've been kind of busy and kind of in, in like a, a creative slump. Mm-hmm. Um, Things have been feeling kind of weird lately, just in terms of like where my creative headspace has been. Uh, as you guys know, I do a lot of the the designing and the flyers and the marketing behind all of our events, all of the, the, the podcast episodes. That's probably why everything changes so drastically <laughs> is because as a creative myself, I just like to create what I think looks good. Um, it's like graphic designer 101 not to... Uh, or to to stay on brand, if you have a brand, to stay on brand, to, to, 
to develop a look for your audience and your fans to sort of grow with. I don't give a fuck about that. <laughs> I just want to make cool shit. And if you guys are fucking with it, then I appreciate that. But um, one of the biggest commitments that I've taken on as of recently is I got a little puppy. Yay! I got a little puppy. We got a mascot now. Yeah, his name is Chance. He's a little husky shepherd mix, so he's going to grow up to be a big-ass fucking dog. Yep. Um, but right now, that's taking up a majority of my time. Not ready for no kid yet, but a dog, he's he's just enough amount of responsibility that I need in my life right now. And it also helps to have someone while I'm creating shit to, to get his opinion. He's very, very, very keen on design, which I really love about this dog. And he'll give me one bark if he likes it or two barks if I think uh, he needs me to edit it. And that's amazing because I need that in my life. But uh, nonetheless, it's, it's good to have a little road dog with me while I'm... Uh, out here working and slaving away on uh, on nights, night after night, which is what it seemed like. Yeah. Um, but it's given me a different purpose, you know what I mean? Which is what I really like. Like, it's not always about the work sometime, you know? Like, I spend a lot of countless hours trying to make sure, like, you know, for those of you that do see the types of things that we put out, whether it's the ads or the episodes and things of that nature, at the end of the day, it's all about like, are you good? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And if you aren't good and you're just constantly pushing out shit that essentially isn't really feeding much of your purpose to yourself, then it doesn't really matter. So if you, you, you feel good about yourself, you feel good about what life has for you and you're putting out good shit, then it all makes it like a hundred times better. Um, but I don't like getting philosophical on this shit because I like talking about streetwear. So I think that's what we're going to be getting into right now. We have a couple of amazing topics for, for us to talk about today, and they're all very controversial. Um, we just, you know, fell off on the last episode and talking about the whole uh, fucked versus Supreme Court. Very controversial. A big first for American streetwear and um, a moment for all of us to really rejoice in loving this shit. But our first topic of today that we're going to be talking about is this kimono shit. I know you guys have been seeing this all over the place. There's a huge sort of worldwide outrage about Kim Kardashian trademarking the name kimono to represent her shapewear underwear line that she has coming out. Um, it's like a she has like three different branches within this brand. Also, there's like a kimono intimates, kimono worldwide. Like <laughs> she's taken the word kimono and has essentially found a place for it in uh, <laughs> in this apparel industry. Now, the outrage about this and one of the things that I want to get into is what is the significance of this term kimono? Yeah, so... I don't, I mean, like, we're about to, like, debate real quick. <laughs> Go <laughs> ahead. Just give, like, a quick gist of, like, what this kimono, what, what is the significance of a kimono for Japanese culture? Obviously, those who know Japanese culture, it is, a kimono is, I would say their it, word. No, but it's, like, so a kimono is a traditional Japanese garment. Yeah. It's, like, a, it looks like a robe, but... Um, they use it like in cultural ceremonies. Mm -hmm. It's just kind of like what you wear on special occasions and they treat it with respect. And there's like kind of like not a regalness, but there's a yeah. high like sense of respect yeah. for this article of clothing in the culture. Yeah. Um, so that's why there's an outrage because a kimono already exists, you know, culturally in a, the Japanese language. Yes, and now does. Kim Kardashian wants to make it and be a sh like a shapewear name brand. It's like um, you're playing opposites, right? Like kimono, like you said, is a very regal, ceremonial attire. Um, it has a long-standing history in Japanese culture. Um, it's represented as like in, in in every way. It's it's, it's represented positively, you mm -hmm. know. Within the world that we live now, obviously, um, with with Kim Kardashian taking on this name. In the apparel, I guess the apparel branch that she's taking it, which is like kind of one piece underwear, uh, intimates wear, it's complete opposites. Mm -hmm. So I can see the outrage in that because if she decided to take kimono and turn it into like a a ballroom gown dress company, you know, where <laughs> only the the only people that wore it were you know, people when they go to the Met Gala and like really expensive wear, I feel like there wouldn't be as much outrage to it. 
No, there's still going to be outrage. You think so? I think so. You don't think that the type of clothing that she's making that's based around the name kimono is what people are outraged by or is it something else? It's it's the cultural aspect to it. You know, um, it's it already exists. A kimono is a thing. And if you're not familiar with the Japanese culture or whatever, you don't have to be with a kimono. You kind of already know like what it looks like just because of being around like just, you know, pop culture. You just see it. Exactly. So yeah. it's a thing that people are familiar with in terms of like the Japanese culture already. So they already know like a kimono is that's their thing. And for me, in my opinion, her trying to trademark something that's like from a different culture, it's kind of like you trademarking like the word T-shirt in the U.S. True. So it's like, how do you trademark a piece of clothing that exists already in a different in a different country? You make a good point because kimono is something along the lines of our first introduction to Japanese culture. Even when we were young, it's Godzilla. <laughs> it's sushi. Um, what else? Um Samurai and maybe like Ihana from Street Fighter. That is our first introduction into Japanese culture. And kimono falls right under that in being like the number one things that we learn about very, very young. Mm -hmm. um, so there is like this assumption that everybody knows that kimono is a very sacred thing for Japanese culture. Now, I've been to Japan and one of the big things there is it's used in two different ways, right? Going into more of the provinces and more of the, um, I forget the, the logistical term of what they call the different counties or cities is, um, I forget the exact word, but going into the more imperial areas, you'll see people wearing them more traditionally. Mm -hmm. But when you go into areas like Harjuku, which is... Um, a bit more touristy, but also highlights uh, a different character or a different personality type of Japanese culture. They're all wearing it and they're using it as like a costume, as like a uh, look how how bright and how fun we are here. Um, but in terms of the word, because everybody uses it in different purposes out there, there's a lot more it's a lot less conservative now of what it used to be in traditional uh, Japan. So the people don't use it as often or people don't use it only for their like specific ceremonies and shit. Um, but now people kind of use it for everyday wear, depending mm -hmm. on who you are. I mean, it looks hard to put on and hard to take <laughs> off. So I wouldn't, I would probably wouldn't wear it every day. But in regards to the word, the word has always been very much, you know, sacred, mm -hmm. right? Um, so when you think about them sort of approaching it in that way, Japanese culture traditionally doesn't, they follow a couple different traits and, and, I, and I'm going to sort of detail them on, on sort of what, what they believe in. But this is like Japanese norms and core values that they, they, they believe in. And a reason why this name was taken by an American in Kim Kardashian and being trademarked and not by anybody in, in Japan. Mm -hmm. So Core values consist of doing, obviously doing your best, thinking of others, putting other people first, uh, not giving up, respecting your elders. It's a huge one. Mm -hmm. And uh, knowing your role and working in a group. So if you, if an individual person in Japan and why you wouldn't see something like this in taking a word that's so sacred to others, there would never be a need to be like, oh, I'm going to trademark that name to make money. They look at it as like something for everyone, something that everyone indulges in, something that is part of everyone's culture and heritage. That's why they don't see the need to be like, hey, we can make money off of this name because everybody knows of it. So let's make an entire brand based around it. Even like the sort of rebellious skater kids or whoever, you know, the people starting streetwear brands in Japan now, they don't they don't see the need to do something different and um and, and trademark a name like kimono. But you made a good point earlier when we were talking about it in saying like, there's a lot of brands out there that don't make sense in general in terms of their name. Yeah. Um, like nobody knows what a Uniqlo is. Yeah. <laughs> um, at most, does it make any sense? Mm -hmm. um, Even human made. Oh, kind of. Human, but like, yeah, human made. You know? uh, a bathing ape. Nope. I mean, if you know the context, then sure. But nobody yeah. knows what the hell that <laughs> means. Um, but yeah, there's a, there's a lot of 
conscientiousness. Uh, did I say that right? Mm-hmm. There's a lot of conscientiousness. I should have said it the first time. <laughs> but there's a lot of awareness when it comes to the types of things that Japanese culture, Japanese people um, attribute themselves towards. And obviously the word kimono was one of those things where you're just like, no, nah, let's just leave that one alone. Mm-hmm. Uh, which opened it to that of Kim Kardashian to be like, hey, this name sounds really cute. It <laughs> also is a playoff of my personal name. And why the hell not? You know what I mean? And this is my theory. Let me say my theory okay. real quick. And why I'm going to play devil's advocate because that's what I particularly uh, I love doing. But Kim, right? Her whole name is it's Kim Kardashian. That's her name. Kim, K-I-M, mm-hmm. right? She is investing in this world of like underwear and body suits and shapewear which are like one pieces right Mm -hmm. and what does what is a a prefix that means one mono kim mono kim 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 kimono (laughs) mono now any (laughs) look this is me completely disregarding the significance of the word but i'm just putting two words together because it seems to make sense Mm -hmm. kim and mono Kimberly's one pieces. That's that's the first thing that comes to my mind. I literally thought of, okay, what's the outrage of it aside from this entire culture being upset? <laughs> uh-huh. And this is what I came up with. Yeah. And when I think about it, I'm like, okay, if the word had no significance and she was just looking at it as like, okay, what are what are two words that I could put together that that relate to my shapewear? Does that make sense? As- okay. Whole, aside cu- from whole that, culture aside, yeah. does Kim Mono make sense in relation to her brand? When you break it down like that, aside from the culture, mm-hmm. yeah, it does make sense. But, you know, that's not how everyone thinks. But the, yeah, <laughs> but exa- exactly. And the reason why I'm completely siding with that of the, the Japanese culture and the outrage that is coming from them is that they've been to fucking Tokyo before. I've watched Keeping Up with Kardashians. I've seen the episodes. They changed the color of their hair. They took in all the Japanese culture. They've been there. They've experienced it. Mm -hmm. So it's not, I can't be like, they were completely oblivious to it. You know what I mean? Like it's not an innocent thing. She knew what she was doing when she did it. And that's why Kim, oh no, canceled. Next. (laughs) (laughs) exactly and i think there's really not much to elaborate more but i think a little bit of context helps in sort of understanding why the outrage is even there there's outrage all over the place which is Mm -hmm. what we're going to get into on our next topic there's tons of outrage out there but there's something specific about this one that is a little sensitive for this this community um I mean, American culture in general, we we like we swap cultures. Americans love the Japanese aesthetic that that they're doing right now. Like there's some of our favorite brands, even though we're not, none of us are from Japan um, and Americans out there, they love vintage American shit. So we're constantly swapping ideas and themes and, uh, and taking on different um, decades of, of work. But I think this touches on a very specific area, which is like. Yeah, this is like sacred, you know, mm-hmm. what's a, a what's a sacred thing in America that we'd be offended by if Japanese culture took it over? I, I don't, don't think we have anything. <laughs> I don't know. I could. OK, if if they took something like, I don't know if ja- the Japanese culture took on a word like the Yankees or apple pie right <laughs> and, and then created like some i don't know some fucking random company based around it what if okay okay <laughs> hear me out hear me okay. out what if they took the name yankees right and they created an entire company that sold toilets and they were just called yankees we would be pretty offended i'm not gonna lie people would be offended here yeah they would they would there would be a, l- a little bit of outrage. Now, the word Yankees isn't as sacred to us in terms of the entire American population mm-hmm. as that it is for those that live in New York. <laughs> but, okay, maybe something like apple pie and they call them toilets. I don't yeah. know. Like, there's, <laughs> yeah, there's yeah, some yeah. fucking word that means something to all of us Americans um, that would be fucked up. Okay, probably the U.S. flag. 
And they like butchered it. How about or? the American flag? Yeah. Flags are always pretty uh, sacred for a lot of cultures. Apparently it, too much for us. <laughs> there's a lot of different meanings of what the U.S. flag means today. Mm -hmm. um, but the U.S. flag is a very sacred piece. So I feel like if Japan ever took it and sort of monetized it in a way that they would see it as like, they could see it as paying homage, but for American people seeing it as like, no, like you, do, you don't use the flag in any other sense of it being a symbol of America. Mm -hmm. um, and that's a cap on kimono. But we're going to keep this conversation on the flag. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to keep this conversation on the flag to talk about our next topic, which if you thought kimono was outrageous, let's talk about some real out outrage right here. So Nike releases July. Oh, well, July 4th just happened. We actually missed that week of July 4th. Mm -hmm. um, so we're bringing it up to you guys now. But Nike released a shoe called... I don't know if it was officially called the Betsy Ross. No, it or was, it was just like, like a, the AKA name. I think after the fact it became that. It was just kind of like the in not Independence Day, but like like the July Fourth Air Max One. So they had like a you know a red, white, and blue Air Max One. Yes. And on the back of the heel, they put the the Betsy Ross flag on it, which is the flag with the thirteen stars to represent the original thirteen colonies. Um. Honestly, when this shoe came out, I didn't really hear much about it. I only heard about it after the whole controversy happened. So I have no idea when Nike decided to push it, when it was actually releasing. Um, so I don't even know like if it even re like reached the actual like retail market. So how did people get access to it? Probably like early release. I honestly have no idea because I don't hear, I didn't hear about it. Yeah. So my whole thing is, you know, you have this shoe with the intentions of being like a July 4th shoe, right? I, I love how we're touching on so much history in this episode, <laughs> but on the back of the heel, 13 stars representing the 13 colonies. Um, this was the first rendition of the, uh, American flag. It wasn't the, I don't think it was the United States of America as of yet, mm -mm. but um, the American flag. And to, to represent the 13 colonies, obviously cool. Let's shout out history. This is July 4th. This is Independence Day. Um, this is a, an iconic piece. Nowadays, no. Mm -hmm. 13, 13 stars, 13 colonies represents a time. And I don't want to get too into it, but essentially where the outrage comes from is it represents a time where slavery was fairly prevalent, mm -hmm. right? And the outrage comes from first with the shoe releasing, I think it was Colin Kaepernick that decided like, yo, I'm one of your marquee athletes. You guys have supported me through the whole experience of being in the NFL and taking a knee. You guys know that whole context. Take this shit down. <laughs> <laughs> and it take, and this is the thing that always gets me, shoe aside, it always takes a third party member to tell a brand they're fucking up. Mm -hmm. Who in the company is uh, so oblivious to the fact that, hey, this might not be the right move? I don't know. I just think there might be maybe too many, too many hands in the pot where at one point it's just like enough is enough. Let's just put out a shoe for the sake of we're, we're missing a deadline. Let's just push it. That's what I don't get. There's no thought or sort of I was going to say consciousness. <laughs> There's no thought going into this could potentially be fucked up, mm -hmm. you know? I, and, and this is the part that kind of gets me is I would have never known the outrage if the shoe came out. You know what yeah. I mean? I would have never known if Colin Kaepernick wasn't upset. Mm -hmm. And I think that goes for a lot of people that see any sort of outrage. It's you never know until it's retweeted. You never know until, mm -hmm. you know, your favorite um, blog or... Um, whoever is covering it, you yeah. know? Um, so I think that's where we take an L. I think that's where a lot of people take an L. And this goes, you know, even further past just general upset people about, you know, this shoe. This goes for news in general, you know? If we're not knowledgeable to take on what's out there and we don't actively seek things that could potentially be offensive... Mm -hmm. We don't know half the shit that's offensive out there until somebody else tells us it is. Yeah. And that also 
turns into, well, are we really thinking for ourselves here? Like, do are we outraged because it outrages us or because your friend is outraged and you're kind of siding mm, with yeah, them? Yeah, that's a good point. You know? Um, but nonetheless, now that I do know, this shit is outrageous. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now that I do know this shit is outrageous. And um, the thing that, that, that always, you know, pains me about shit like this is there's no one in these offices that are reviewing this. You have people who are probably seated pairs prior, mm-hmm. you know, to build up the hype. Multiple people are getting these pairs for free. Nike just doesn't sit back on pairs and be like, oh, this is going to be an automatic seller. We don't have to send people these pairs. Mm-hmm. People guaranteed have these pairs. Um, and they go through so many design processes. They go through so many people. Um, any sort of release done on like a holiday or any sort of special release for a collection, they're definitely reviewed one one or two times over. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But what is it about this that, I mean, we obviously know why it's offensive, but why do why do they feel the need to 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 change it up? I guess if you're in in Nike's place, why do they why why do they feel the need to even walk that fine line of being like people might like this? Um, I think like thinking about like the brand, they probably had this design in mind like years ago, mm. and they're just deciding to do it now because they're they're always known for doing like an Independence Day of type course, of shoe. Yeah, so they're notorious for doing that. We always celebrate the America and like. Uh, like any other co- like country, we have like flag shoes from Nike like all around the world. It's true. Um, my, I think like my opinion is um, they didn't realize that like the political climate would be like this now. You know, because four years ago, we weren't as PC as we are now. True. You know, people weren't as sensitive or they didn't really care as much like in matters where it came to like slavery or Black Lives Matter. True. But now because of how prevalent it is in our country and like how much our president doesn't care about us, like it's it's a big thing. So yeah. I think, you know, like if it was released four years ago, it would be fine. And they probably had this design in mind four years ago. But, you know, they're just like, we haven't dropped like a cool, like a cool, like shoe in a while for 4th of July. Let's put one out that celebrates the original 13 colonies. So they're probably thinking of like the historical, like celebration of like, this is America. Yeah. But, you know, us, you know, like POCs, we think of America not as really home now. We think of it kind of as this is white territory. Mm, so that's, a good point. that's why it's controversial now. But back then we probably wouldn't give a shit about these shoes. America is shapeshifted. And like, you ever watch that show Animorphs? Yeah. Like it's kind of <laughs> like Animorphs right now. Like at first it was this like, this really like cuddly dog and then it just transformed into this ugly Cheeto looking human. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like we were, it, America was so kind, it was so gentle. And um, there was the ability for not only, you know, I, I was watching TV from like uh, shows that were in, you know, 2016 and I guess me now instead of absorbing all this like sort of people being a little bit overly sensitive, I've been watching like, oh shit, like can they say that on TV? Or like some of my favorite shows, I'm like, damn, did they just drop that word? Like it's like it's really like it's 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 sometimes scary, you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Because the the way that the climate has changed in such a fast pace and you know, such a fast amount of time. You're right. Like Nike, and we we worked there. They develop shit years, seasons in advance. Mm-hmm. You know, nobody would have known that this shoe would not have hit when it first released. Mm-hmm. Thirteen colonies. People think of that when they first read American history. That's that's where America started. Mm-hmm. But there is also a cultural context that we can now be educated by by not only people that are tweeting in threads, but also. You know, there's a lot of resources out there that can tell us, hey, you know, during that time, it was like this, this and this. It's like, OK, now that I know I can make that decision myself on whether or not I want to pursue this shoe. Yeah. Um, which is <laughs> the magic of what fucking blog like resell blogs or sites like StockX and Grailed has turned into in making this shoe one of the most expensive aftermarket shoes um, as of recently, mm-hmm. I think. On StockX, it was going for almost like two grand, mm-hmm. and this shoe is like a supposed to be like a general release mm-hmm. that went for what's Air Max one like one ten, yeah, one twenty, like, yeah. Um, so that's a huge flip. 
And people, <laughs> it's so funny though, because as much as people are offended, if they had the opportunity of buying it for retail to sell it for 2000 they're going to take that opportunity. Yeah. Which is fucked up. That's streetwear now. But that's the money aspect of it. Mm-hmm. Excuse me. That's the money aspect of it, right? Like, I don't care about the outrage. The outrage makes me money. And for a second, I almost think that Nike pushes out purposefully. Mm, I don't know about that. I think so. You got to think about it like this. Brands sell their shit off of outrage nowadays. They sell it off of controversy. That's how That's how you get the blogs to talk about your, your product that probably wouldn't have done shit, that probably um, would have never sold. You get people talking about it, there's going to be people that are going to buy it. There's going to be people that are going to go out and seek it. Mm-hmm. If people are talking about the brand, they're going to know about the brand. They may not buy that, that exact item, but now they're going to know your brand for being like, oh, that's that one controversial brand. Mm-hmm. Let's make money off of it. You know well, what I mean? That's why people love Supreme. Because they don't Supreme's care. Supreme's controversial. Exactly. Um, anything that's sort of cutting edge. Uh, Nike's never been cutting edge, you know. But now they've had a couple flukes to where like whether it's their commercials or their product, people are like, yo, like that's that's pretty like, you know, one sided. That's that's pretty awesome. And now people are like thinking about it even mm-hmm. more. So um, this is sort of like a I wouldn't say it's a ploy from them. Obviously, it, it could be, and, and I think I I have a feeling it is, <laughs> because, like I said, so many people have to go through reviewing this shoe. Mm-hmm. So many people. There's not one POC, not one person with some sort of educated mindset to be like, no, nah, no, nah, there's no way <laughs> we're not releasing this shoe. You guys know what thirteen? You guys know what the Confederate flag? You, you guys know what this means, right? No, let's push it out. Let's see what happens. Like, no, there's no fucking way. There's no way. But then to like outrage one of your like top seated athletes in the process, is that worth the That's risk? That's a part of it. That's a part of the ploy. That's right? fucked up. It is fucked up, but that's a part of it, right? No one, if, okay, if, if we release that shoe, I'm not saying we, not, not like, we, I'm if saying if we Nike, as Nike, if we as Nike release that shoe and none of our, premier athletes were talking about it right twitter's talking about it whatever cool that's a little bit of outrage right that's mm-hmm. a that, that'll that won't get the whole line canceled but it'll definitely like get people talking about the shoe maybe go out and buy it maybe resell it it's not going to hit two thousand dollars just because twitter's outraged mm-hmm. just because um hype beast or highest nobody covers it right that's not enough but if we know this shoe is going to fire up our, I wouldn't say number one athlete, but one of our top spokespeople for our brand. And now Wall Street Journal, Time Magazine, fucking New York Times, everyone's covering it. $2,000 on StockX. Nike's name in everybody's ears. You know what I mean? You would be really surprised that a lot of these brands will seek out conflict, will seek out outrage to fuel their brand name it's not it's 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 like a combination of like we don't care if you guys hate our brand we just care that you know our brand Mm -hmm. which is um that's very bold it's a very fucked up way of doing things but you'd be surprised on how many brands actually participate in this let's start a drama let's start a conflict let's Mm -hmm. do it you know what i mean like think about um fast food companies on twitter (laughs) right they're always going back and forth with Mm -hmm. each other they're always trying to roast their consumer or roast this other brand Mm -hmm. putting down other brands putting down other people like people love that shit yeah and they'll be like yeah i'm fucking with like i'm not fucking with arby's like taco bell just (laughs) dissed them the other day like i'm gonna go eat uh, chalupa i don't know you know what i mean so there is that aspect of it that i feel like people buy into um really easily but there's something about it that just like it's kind of fishy it is it is kind of fishy but there's been more outrageous shoes right we looked at articles with very oh man let's see um 2012 adidas releases a high top sneaker with uh shackles attached to it orange orange shackles attached to it that's outrageous that was in 2012 Mm -hmm. um i forget what year this one was nike dunk um in and commemorative uh, St. Patrick's Day uh, edition released a shoe called the Black and Tan, 
right? My favorite ice cream at uh, Fenton's. If you're from the Bay Area, you know where that is. That was a an Irish slur, I guess that's what they called it. Um, there was an outrage about that also. Um, and this shit's existed, right? A lot of this shit's existed um, in the past, but nobody's ever, nobody's ever heard about it. Mm-hmm. You know, the Betsy Ross flag is just as bad as... Uh, Adidas Shackle edition. You know what I mean? That's not, that's nowhere near as cool, even though this one's a little bit more implicit or explicit of this is fucked up. I, okay. <laughs> Hold on. Oh, no. Can we talk about this real quick? Okay. You put a flag on a shoe. Mm-hmm. There, the, the lines may be split like 75, 25. 75 is like, yo, that's the fucking racist shit. 25 is like, hey, it's the American flag, right? That's the American way. that The flag represents America. Mm-hmm. You see shackles on shoes. There's no way <laughs> you're ever thinking anything outside of what those shackles meant, yeah. meant to a history in general. So um, at the end of the day, I think Adidas takes another L. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Checks over stripes. And that's one of those things <laughs> where articles like that, when shoes get pointed out, or uh, like outrage gets pointed out. There's always those like comparison articles where it's like, okay, yeah, I get it. Like this brand did this like this time, but let's look at what brands have done in the past. <laughs> and now everyone's history gets dug up and then everyone else takes L. So, um, we I love know. spilling tea here. I know. <laughs> I don't mean to be an instigator on other brands, but damn Adidas, you guys fucked up. It's not even yeah. about Nike like Adidas. Y'all fucked up. Um, okay, let's move on from that because I'm tired of this outreach. Let's talk about innovation. Let's talk about some new technology. Some positive energy. Let's talk about, yeah, positive energy. Um, just read on Hypebeast recently that an app, I think, not an app. Um, what's it called? I think it's just a platform kind of similar to uh, like like a stock X. I want to say like just in general, brands have been sort of picking up on this new type of investment platform, right? Mm-hmm. We've seen investor companies invest in Supreme, billion dollar company, stock X. Mm-hmm. Um, who else invested in uh, like stadium goods? Stadium goods. I think, uh, I think goat too. Goat. Foot Locker invested mm-hmm. in GOAT. Um, there's money all over the place, right? And something that people are understanding a lot recently is that everything is worth something in this community. Mm-hmm. Even if it's a general release, more often uh, it's typically not. But we'll start with Supreme. Right? Anything that has the name Supreme on it, it's worth at least a dollar more than what you buy it for. Mm-hmm. Um we know the resale market. You're a known reseller. Yes. You can admit Stop. to it. <laughs> you always putting me on the spot with that. <laughs> you can admit to being a reseller. There's nothing wrong with that. It's not a derogatory term. <laughs> unless you think it is. <laughs> but yes, um, there's something about this idea of co-ownership, mm-hmm. right? Everybody wants a piece of the pie. Streetwear is a industry that everybody wants to be a part of. I mean, we want to be a part of it. We want to have a brand. We want to be an influencer. We want to get free shit. We want to be a part of this community even more so. And this new, I want to say, I want to call him a brand, but this new platform called Otis um, essentially finds a way to capitalize on this idea of co-ownership. This idea of, I want to own that, but I can't. <laughs> Which is like... A huge theme within the world of streetwear, right? Yeah. We all stretch our pockets thin to own something that uh, we don't necessarily need to be owning. There's this uh, this phrase that I learned recently that's actually really funny. It's um, broke people trying to impress. Wait, it's broke people going broke trying to impress other broke people, mm. and that's the kind of world that we live in nowadays. That is streetwear, you know. That's streetwear. You mix the whole like male aspect into there where it's like broke males trying to <laughs> go and broke to impress other broke males. Mm-hmm. It was like the first like sentiment that um, was like an early streetwear. It's like guys trying to impress other guys, which I think yeah. is really funny. But if that's what you do, that's what you do. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so this brand Otis um, is looking to create a platform that revolves around this idea of co-ownership and similar to like, I mean, if you if you use StockX, you use a thing like Goat. What's those? It's um, there's uh, 
There's like a way to to own a shoe without actually paying in full. Oh, um, like affirm and afterpay. Affirm and afterpay. It's um, not. It's I wouldn't consider it a layaway. Like, well, is it like a digital layaway? Digital layaway for your shoes. Um, you put money down. You pay a monthly payment, and um, obviously it's your new credit. Uh, I don't know. Um. But yeah, you don't own your, own your shoes until you fully pay it off, but it's mm-hmm. kind of like leasing a car, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of like the way that a lot of people have to act, right? A lot of things are very expensive, especially here in San Francisco. We can't fully afford things. So there's opportunities for us to you know, pay as we go. That's kind of how the millennial mind is nowadays. Yeah. You have payments for concert tickets, uh, festivals, now shoes and clothes. Mm-hmm. And this brand Otis sees that as an opportunity to I wouldn't say take advantage of those that that want to um, sort of invest money into their clothing but I think they see it as like this is a a uh, kind of trade-off so I'll put it in layman's terms on how this platform works Supreme releases a skateboard for let's say sixty dollars right this brand Otis buys that skateboard on the aftermarket, maybe like a week or two after its release for about $150, right? Now, we've talked about this in a recent episode where uh, I think it's pronounced uh, Sotheby's, mm-hmm. Sotheby's Auction Warehouse did an entire um, museum sale hall of Supreme skateboard decks that amassed over a couple hundred thousand dollars, right? Mm-hmm. So there's money in these skateboards. And Otis buys this skateboard values it at $200 from when it purchased it. They hold on to this skateboard for about five to 10 years and they allow you as the customer, as the consumer of their platform to invest money into the skateboard. It could be $25, you could invest $100, whatever piece you want to have in the skateboard. So say you invest um, $25 into this skateboard that's evaluated at 200 Mm -hmm. and five years later 10 years later this skateboard is now worth and i'm just over exaggerating here a hundred thousand dollars that means your 25 dollars investment has increased i don't know the math but to a lot of money maybe you make off of that 25 dollars investment two thousand dollars and that is your keepsake for what you th- what you think is important about that item that you invested in. Now, you never get to actually physically hold the <laughs> skateboard. You never get to see the skateboard, but you know that you own a share in that skateboard. What the, what's the significance of doing that? Especially as, you know, we're collectors, we're people that love um, this industry, but what benefit does that sort of satisfy or what need does that satisfy for us as like consumers? to invest um well i think now just because of how reselling is structured investment is really important so that's why you see a lot of people buying things in bulk and holding on to it for five plus years so then later later on it's like it costs like way more than what they made um it's just really interesting because you're not physically holding the product so essentially it's 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 a stock it's a stock in an item which is I think it's just hard to imagine because there's a tangible item involved because stocks are intangible. That's true. So basically you're you're owning something, but you can just never see it. You get you don't get like visitation rights to your skateboard. Yeah, you can't borrow it for a day. You can't borrow it. You can't tell your friends like, hey, this is my skateboard. Like it plays on a couple of factors in the way that you you explain in, in terms of like stock, stocks and bonds, right? You don't get to physically hold a stock. I mean, you can get it mailed to you like in like a paper form, I think. Mm-hmm. Like you, it could show that you own certain amount of shares in this in this company, but it's not something that you can, that you carry around your wallet. It's not something you hang on your wall. Um, but people want to be a part of this community. They want to be a, a owners of these products. And the, the biggest piece of that, and I, why I think this is great is because it brings people in, into our community. People that have money that want to invest into our community. They see the the silver lining of why these items are important to us. And I like the way that people are banking on streetwear. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a really cool aspect of 
of investing into our community. Obviously, I'm not too sure on what that means for for brands, right? Mm-hmm. If they know that a lot of their shit is going to be resold in the aftermarket, do they change any method of how they sell stuff, how they market, or how do they price their items? It's never been that way in the past, right? They yeah. never upsell they, they they don't raise their prices purposefully because it's being resold so a platform like this i don't feel like i'm kind of answering my own question here mm-hmm. but i don't feel like it really changes much of the market mm-hmm. but i think it brings on this new identity of the aftermarket yeah right it's another way to make money essentially yeah yeah and, and some of us are good at camping some of us are good. Some of us like the camaraderie of being at a store for 10 plus hours with their friends. You know what I mean? You're a known reseller. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I have a resale button. Whenever I talk about you, just resell, resell, resell. But you're a reseller. You like that camaraderie. Some other people, they like trading cryptocurrency. That's what that's what they like doing. This mm-hmm. is a form of that, essentially. Yeah. They like playing that market of knowing, like, just imagine having, okay, so there's this, um, like imagine having like an e-trade app where you like, you're looking at your, all your stocks and shit. And then you have like the same type of app, this Otis app. And you're looking at all the streetwear items you own and <laughs> seeing like the fluctuation in, in market value and rate yeah. and the highs and lows for the day. That's exciting for some people. That's you know like what I mean? X. That's their world, you know? You know? Yeah. Um, and, and I think StockX, uh, in, in you saying that, I think StockX definitely provided a great foundation for that. Okay. StockX, turned simply bringing your shoes to a store into this whole experience that you would have never thought ever applied to your shoes you know yeah the fact that every day your shoe could be worth something different the fact that there's so like there's an aftermarket that is super accessible and shoes that people that may the one person okay this is this is how i see it sometimes you go in there and you look at the general releases of like off-whites and shit. They're always there. But sometimes you'll see a shoe that only you want. Nobody else wants. And only you're looking for. Very specific, maybe like mid-2000s shoe. And that one person from all somewhere else in the world decides that, hey, this shoe that I have, I love it so much, but nobody else wants to buy it for me. Somebody else must value this shoe just as much as me. And that happens to be me. And you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like there's there's that individuality with like selling shoes there that I think is really special. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think this app is good. I don't know if it's an app, but this platform I mm-hmm. think is really cool. Am I investing in it? Not fucking wasting my money. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not fucking wasting my money. But I think it introduces people into this um, financial space or economical space of where streamer yeah. is, which I think is really cool. Mm-hmm. Um how can I describe it? Um, there's like a, a, a pretty good description that they have. Um, and this is how they, I, th- I think this is how they describe themselves, which is kind of funny. Um, here it goes. All right. So a user can buy however many shares of an artwork they desire during the initial offering. So they're using, they have, I think they're one of their first items right now is like a painting. Um, so there's like a certain window that's open to where you can like offer money to, uh, to purchase it or purchase a share of it. Um, Otis aims to retain each work for a period of around five to 10 years. So obviously that's a long investment, but you can pull out whenever, obviously. And after which it could be sold at a profit, theoretically driving gains for co-owners, co-owners being the people that are invested in the product. So mm-hmm. it's very straightforward. Put money in, it's a gamble. It could be amazing. It could not do you any profit, but that's the gamble that you take with mm-hmm. any investment. Um, bringing it back to the Betsy Ross shoe, right? It could be, you know, $2,000 now. And in five years, it could be Nike's most notable shoe in the world and could be worth $4,000 and you get your money there. Yeah. Um, but that, I think that's just any risk when it comes to investing in shit, which I think is really important. Um, but I think that's all I got. Yeah. It's a really interesting platform, but for the most part, it's, it's nothing new. You know, it's nothing drastically new. Yeah. It's and, new for streetwear, but in terms of business, it's yeah. not new. But you know what I think is cool about that is that I want people that are in this industry to be more business minded. I want people in this industry to know what their shit is worth. I want them to know how much they can make off of their time, their knowledge, 
And I think this is a great way to sort of start that type of industry for themselves because mm-hmm. anybody can be like, hey, the same way that people do like um, like raffles for items, their own personal raffles. Hey, buy a slot. You're investing $10, $15. You could potentially invest that 10 or $15 into being chosen and owning this $500 item. Mm-hmm. But that's the risk you take. You pay, yeah. pay $10, you could lose $10. You pay $10, you could win $500. And um, people are starting to put a worth on the knowledge and the time, the effort that they put into shit. And one of the things about Grailed and one of the things about StockX is sometimes they don't value the time and effort you put into shit because you may buy something for retail like a Yeezy or something. When Yeezys weren't as popular, you could buy something, uh, a Yeezy for retail and you expect to make 300 plus dollars, but StockX only gives it to you for like 30 bucks above retail. Mm -hmm. Then you think to yourself, man, I just spent all that time and this is all I get. You know what I mean? So we got to start putting a worth on the time and effort that we make when we're doing stuff like this. And um, I think this is a a window into that, which I think is really cool. Mm -hmm. And yeah, that's pretty much all I got. Any, any last words for the people? I know um, this is kind of a long episode. Actually, no, it's like a little under an hour. <laughs> but um, we end every episode with uh, a few last words. Any tips or tricks or brands that you're kind of fucking with right now? Uh, anything that the people can take away um, while you guys hold off for another week? Sorry that we missed the past two, but anything that you got for them? Um, I just want to say like to be more conscious in what you're buying and just know like just be aware of like everything um hella random but like I think next Monday and Tuesday so July 15 and 16 it's it's Amazon Prime Day or whatever don't shop that because the prime workers are protesting so don't don't support Prime Day I bought some shit on Amazon Prime but yesterday, it's not Prime so. Day yet so don't do it. Just don't all do right. it on those days. Okay, that's it. That's cool. That's all I got to say. Cool. Don't Come shop. out to Fly Girl Friday today, tonight. Don't shop Amazon yeah. Prime Day, guys. That's all um, I got to say. What do I got? I think upcycling is really cool. Um, so if you guys are starting brands and you guys are thinking about your first collection, I think it's really cool when brands put their logos on like vintage recycled goods. That looks really sick and people would appreciate it. And uh, the turtles love you for that. Be sustainable. (laughs) Be sustainable. That's sick. Um, That is episode 92. Thank you guys for listening. Be sure to follow us at No Chance Radio on all platforms. Leave us a comment, DM, email us. If you have any questions, you want to show off your brain, you want to send us stuff. Cool. Hello at nochancemedia.com. We will catch you next week. Peace.